Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. 1995 NBA draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves select Kevin Garnett from Farragut Academy in Chicago. And the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to the Western Conference Finals. Happy birthday, Kevin Garnett. Excited to be here. With that being said, you know I'm, I'm beyond excited to, to continue as the coach of the head coach of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. 4.7 seconds. Gibson's got to get it in. Does Wiggins drives across midcourt. Andrew lets it fly. Welcome back to the Howl here on the Sponsor of the Off the Ball Network. They have the fastest payouts in the industry and offer a 125% sign up bonus when you use promo code OFF THE BALL in all caps at sign up. Head over to betus.com to sign up today. Again, that's betus.com, promo code OFF THE BALL in all caps. Unlike all the other bars out there that taste either like old Play Doh or a piece of cardboard, when you eat a built bar, you will think you are cheating on your diet with a delicious chocolate dessert. If your kids find out how good these are, you're going to have to buy more because they will be begging for them. They have great flavors such as cookies and cream, double chocolate, strawberry, peanut butter brownie, and much more. Use the code OFFTHEBALL in all caps at checkout to get a 10% discount at Built.com. Again, that's OFFTHEBALL, all caps, at checkout to get a 10% discount at Built.com. Let's talk Timberwolves. Welcome back to the Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel. Obviously, lots of excitement here. You know, looking at our favorite team, the Minnesota Timberwolves, able to bounce back from that. Really, I guess you could say. I think it's fair to say an embarrassing loss in game number three, and you jump into game number four, and it wasn't perfect by any means, but it's a win. I mean, it's a win. Yes, it's at home. Players played well, players played bad. We're going to go over the different guys that did what. But ultimately, you won the game. Does it matter if you won the game by 20 points or by one point? You still won. That's all that matters. 
you think about the Fast and the Furious, right? And and Brian says to Vin Diesel's character, Dom, I almost beat you. Well, almost doesn't matter, man. Doesn't matter how much someone beat you by, you still lost. And that evens the series up two games to two. One of the first things that I, I want to touch on with this game is really credit Carl Anthony Towns for a bounce back game. You know, he ends up in the 30s. He hit just some incredible shots, timely shots throughout this game. He was so instrumental to the Wolves getting this victory. Anthony Edwards, fantastic. And that's four straight games on the playoffs where he hits at least four three-pointers. The only other player that's done that, yep, that's right, Steph Curry. Well, sorry. Yeah, no, that's right. Sorry, in their first playoff series. Steph did that in 2013. So pretty impressive there. Hey, a lot to like if you're a Timberwolves fan right now. Now, those are two guys that really stepped up. The guy that I really want to touch on, and he's actually inspired the graphic for this week or this show, uh, for today's show, and that is J Mac. Fantastic game from him. Four three pointers. Ends up with 16 points. Going with the, uh, you'll see on the graphic if you haven't already, going with the graphic J Mac. McDonald's reference, obviously, with McLaughlin's. And the uh, nickname Special Sauce. I think it kind of fits just because uh, he's been a, a special player for us at times throughout this season. And it just fits that Big Mac, J-Mac reference there. So a lot of fun, a lot to like, and what he was able to do from it. I thought a good quote with, that we got from this game was uh, afterwards, Chris Finch. Why did They asked him why J-Mac didn't play in the game before, and he said, you know what, sometimes I should... I can't remember the exact quote, but it was basically like, yeah, you know what? Sometimes uh, I do stupid stuff too. So <laughs> it was one of those things where he, he feels like uh, after the fact, yeah, you know what? I probably made a mistake there. I definitely should have played him. Lots to like about Chris Finch. And he owned up. I appreciate that he owned up to his mistake, not calling a timeout in that really tough loss. You know, they go on a 21-0 run, no timeouts. And, of course, as I'm watching the game four. Dave Benz pointed out how in the first half of that game, he actually made two timeouts to try to stop a run and it didn't help. And they ended up going on a 15 0 run in that first half. So obviously, and Chris Finch brought this up in his press conference. How much does a timeout really matter? Can it, can it stop things? Well, I think it can for my money. I've seen it when I used to coach, I've seen it work. Not a guarantee, of course, but it can help to settle your team down. It can help slow their team down, cool them off a little bit. So there's reasons why it makes sense to do it. To me, there's there's little downside. Of course, you always want timeouts, but you can't go home with them, right? You're not saving them for the next game. When the game's over, play, the timeouts are gone. You don't get to keep, bring them. There's no carryover to the next game. So that's one of the things to think about there. You know, we touch on some of the players that really stood out. Three players that were the opposite of standing out, I would say. Actually, nope, I can go four. Nas Reed, of course, I have not been shy about ripping Nas Reed and for ripping Finch for playing him. I don't think we should be playing Nas Reed. I said it uh, pretty much anyone that follows on Twitter. I say it pretty frequently. Uh, in addition to that, 
I do think uh, he just doesn't – he hasn't played well throughout the season. What are we playing him for? And you're playing against a team that doesn't go big that often. A lot of times they're going small. So rolling with Josh Reed just doesn't make a lot of sense considering he doesn't really give you much. Honestly, I'm at the point now where I might consider Greg Monroe over Nas Reed. I mean, probably not. I should, more hyperbole than anything else. But to me, Nas Reed's been that bad. The other guys that jump off the page for me, uh, Jay, Jaden McDaniels, to me, just struggled a bit. Made some interesting decisions. Uh, things were a little tough for him in this game. Shooting-wise, you really need him to start being able to hit those corner threes again consistently. He seems to be in a little bit of a slump there. Malik Beasley, no shot attempts in this game. And Malik Beasley, you know, he's had a fantastic year, especially down the stretch. He's been huge for us. Had an off game. Let's hope he can get back on track. And D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell had the one game so far in the series where you felt like he played pretty good. Game number three. And, of course, you end up losing that game, unfortunately, because you didn't get a lot of help from Towns and Edwards. How good can this Wolves team be if they can find a way to get all those guys on the same page? If you can get into a game and have all three of your star players show up and play well, what a game changer that is. And who's beating you at that point? Who's the team that has the ability to beat the Timberwolves when Edwards, Towns, and D'Lo all show up and have big games? That's a tough one. That is a true three-headed monster right there. And to me, it's a, it's, a, it's a good big three because it's not just... I look at it this way. Sometimes you have teams that they have one or two of their best players play a similar style or maybe a similar position. It's nice having... You know, D'Angelo Russell can play the one and the two. You have Anthony Edwards, who can play a little bit of the one, can play the two, can play the three. And then you have Carl Towns, of course, standardly a five, probably can play a little bit of a four, depending on the matchups, depending on who they're with, given his ability to stretch the floor. So much versatility there. So much to like. We just haven't seen it so far in this series, and we haven't seen it much this season, at least not consistently, where all three players are able to show up. Maybe that's what we're saving. Maybe games five and six. Maybe we see it then. The mantra has been going around Minnesota right now. Wolves in six. You win. If you win in Memphis tomorrow. By the way, this is. Uh, so right now it's Monday. Actually, it's late Monday. I guess you could say early Tuesday as I record this. And, you know, if you can find a way to win that game in Memphis, game five. It sure seems like game six is where you where you clinch it where you win that series. Wolves and Six all starts, of course, with beating Memphis in Memphis. And I'll say this. This is not, this is not some crazy notion, right? If your, your best chance to beat them is going to be in Game 5. If it goes to Game 7, big crowds, there's so much at stake, that's tough. To me, you got to win Game 5. Of course it's possible to win Game 7. We get that. But let's clinch it at home court. Let's win against Memphis, and then let's win the series in Minnesota. Speaking of in Minnesota, one thing I, I think uh, I enjoyed, for anyone that hasn't watched this, I definitely think you should watch the press conferences from the from the from this last Wolves game. Lots of good sound bites, whether it was Finch, Towns. So much to like about this Wolves team. There's so many good players. There's so many players that are likable. You know, in past years with the Wolves, you had some players maybe that weren't likable, or maybe... Maybe I shouldn't say weren't likable, but just weren't 
very good, weren't very talented. Thank you. Players that you play and players that you enjoy cheering for, that you root for actively. I mean, these to me, anyways, these are things that I all that I notice. But the press conferences are so funny. And Anthony Edwards in his press conference, I really enjoyed as he talked up because he did his with Jordan McLaughlin, and man, did he talk up Jordan McLaughlin, and for good reason. And he talked about how Jordan McLaughlin and Josh Kogi are the two best teammates he's ever had. And that's that says something to me. You have all these guys that are talking Jordan McLaughlin up. You have guys that are talking up Josh Okoge. And there were a number of people, I was included, that wanted to look to trade Josh Okoge at, at, at certain points, whether it was the trade deadline, last offseason. There were times when it made sense. But then you add in just now when you hear all these players talking about what a great locker room presence he is, a guy that's always ready to step up if he's needed, and I understand why they keep him. I understand why he's a part of this team. Jordan McLaughlin obviously uh, did not play Game 3, was big in Game 4. It's huge to see. And now you jump ahead to Game number 5. What are you going to get from some of these guys? What types of play are you going to get? Are we going to get some consistency? We really need D'Lo to wake up. We need him to step up and be more, just more consistent in these games. He needs to be able to night in and night out contribute in a more meaningful way. And we have not seen that consistently, and that's been really unfortunate. And I do think that's a, a big part of why we're sitting at 2-2 two and two here in the series. An interesting thing to note, and I, I love Pep Beverly talk about this, uh, after practice today, I believe, is when he actually spoke about this. Taylor Jenkins, after the game, was very critical about the, about the um, referees. What I didn't understand, first of all, only $15,000 fine is crazy to me in the playoffs, ripping the officials like that. Especially, here's the deal, and I, I have to wonder, after that happens in the press conference and he goes home watches the game back or watches film or what have you, I wonder if he rethinks that because if anybody got an advantage due to the officials, it was hands down Memphis. I'm not going to go into every single little play. I'm not going to break down all the different calls. But two calls specifically, to me, really set things up and really, I guess, would be a good demonstration of why I felt that the Wolves really got a raw deal. The two specific plays, first of all, there's the there's a play where Desmond Bain drives in. He runs over Vando. Gets called for a block. They go. It gets challenged. They go to the screen, and I would argue. I think it's. I think that's fair. I think to challenge the call, I understand it because Vando's moving a little bit. It's close, right? It's maybe. I don't know if I'd call it fifty-fifty. Probably sixty-forty. It's close, but I do think that's the right call. That it would be a block necessarily, but the difference being the game before, we had a play where Dilo goes in for a layup. And he raises his leg because that's natural. That's what your body does when you shoot a layup. Makes contact with John Morant. Gets called for a foul upon review. It's called for a foul. It's a bunk call. Absolutely bunk. But this call gets gets challenged. Yes, they, and they overturn it. They call it successful. But it was almost the exact same thing. Desmond Bain, he raises his leg, knee comes out, hits Vanderbilt. How is it different? 
because I'm telling you, maybe it wasn't as extreme, but it's still the same exact thing. It's the natural motion of the leg going up and the knee hitting our player. And I even tweeted out the official NBA account and said, I think you guys got to answer some questions here if you change this call. Because if you change this call after you just reviewed a play in the same series and ruled against the Wolves for the exact same thing, then you have to answer for that. Because now you've reviewed two plays, almost identical, and you have ruled them completely different. How does that work? How can you make a ruling in one game and the very next game go against that exact ruling? And both of them were reviewed plays. So we're talking the actual replay center is involved in this. Referees are involved in this. NBA, get your shit together. Figure out what the call is. If just taking a jump shot or taking a layup and your leg raises as it would, if that's a foul, great. It's incredibly stupid, makes no sense, and it's absolute nonsense. But if that's a foul to you, then call it consistently. If it's not, that's fine. And that's the way it should be for the record. But you can't have this, it's a foul on one team, it's not a foul on another team. No, it's not going to fly. Get some consistency. Get your shit worked out. This is ridiculous. Second play is a play where Jordan, uh, sorry, Jaron Jackson Jr., grabs Jaden McDaniel's hand and then uses it to slap his teammate in the face, Tyus Jones in this instance, and Jaden gets called for a foul. It gets, it gets looked at for a hostile act. A play that gets looked at for a hostile act, everything gets checked out. Well, guess what? You check that out, and you know what you find out? You should find out, because you're reviewing it, that, oh, yeah, guess what? It was actually a foul on Memphis because Memphis grabbed our player's hand and used it to slap their own player. And no, guess what? They upheld the call. How do you do that? So now it's legal. It's now legal for a player to foul his own player with the other player's hand. That's that's okay. That's allowed now. NBA, what are you doing? This was actually reviewed. And it was called an away from the play foul. So they got the shots. Uh, how does it work? I believe it's the shots and the ball or however that works out. Ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. And again, the NBA needs to answer for this. And guess what? That's bad officiating. Not whatever Taylor Jenkins is talking about. Guess what, Taylor? You lost the game. And you didn't lose the game because of the officials, because the officials were so, so, so heavily in your favor. It, to me, And this art, I got to say this too, not to go off on a tangent here, but the idea that free throw differential determines whether the refs did a good job or not is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And tons of people keep using this dumb argument. I'm sorry, but guess what? Not every foul is the same. If I'm playing a basketball game, we got five players on the court, right? And if every single time down the court, one of the players punched a player in the face on the other team, gets called for a foul because, of course, well, guess what? 
if the foul differential ends up being big because my team chooses to foul every single time, are you telling me when the game is over, you would look at that foul differential, you would say, well, obviously a terribly officiated game. Really? So now we're, we're just going to say punches are okay? Like, that's that's okay because, you know, free throw differential's big, so that means they have to be that officiated. Sorry, but it doesn't work that way. All right? Just because a foul's called doesn't mean it's bad. Just because a foul's called doesn't mean it was a good call. There's nothing there. That stat, the number of fouls a team commits versus another number of fouls a team doesn't commit, I'm sorry, but it's meaningless. It is absolutely meaningless if you're trying to determine if it was good officiating or not. Incredibly stupid. We need to stop this. This is just, I, what are we doing? That's kind of where I'm at with this. Now, let's look ahead to, actually, before we do that, one thing I want to touch on is the decision by Taylor Jenkins to start Xavier Tillman. On the surface, before the game started, I said, this is a mistake. Anyone that actually watched that game, guess what? It was. He was not effective. And I don't know why they thought he would be. You know what was effective against Carl Towns, though? I'll tell you right now what was against Carl, what was effective, is the lineups that they used previously. Steven Adams can't guard Carl Towns. He can't stop him. Xavier Tillman, nope, not a chance. Which is why, a couple minutes into the game, or whatever the exact timing was, Xavier Tillman's already got two fouls and he ends up getting pulled. They, and then they ended up using some Steven Adams in this game. I don't understand what Taylor Jenkins was thinking. To me, in games two and three, you saw a formula that could work, that did work. And then Taylor Jenkins just decides, hmm, let's just not do that anymore. I don't get it. I'm appreciative. I'm happy that he did it. But I, I'm sitting here right now, and I'm telling you guys, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Someone asked me this question the other day. I wasn't totally sure how to answer it. But who's a guy that you you watch play and you really appreciate that He's not out there complaining, as He's seen on ABC there, Shark Tank, you know, and invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez. Like Ice Shaker received offers from all five sharks in the show. Kitchen grade insulated can, stainless steel that will keep your drinks cold and, and won't just, absorb you know, odor head like a plastic shaker bottle does. I watched this series and I just created by the Gronk Brothers for so anyone living an active impressed. and healthy lifestyle. The ice shaker is perfect for every drink, not just protein shakes. The patented twist in agitator will break up any powders. It also works as a strainer to make sure you always get the perfect pour. Use promo code off the ball and similarities to and help out the network. Again, that's ice shaker, and you can use the promo code off the ball in all caps. Visit iceshaker.com. If I'm the Grizzlies, there's no chance I'm trading him, and I don't think they are. Although there was a time earlier in the season. He wasn't playing much, so I don't know how he fits into their future necessarily, but he's a guy I really like. You just don't see him complain much. They call foul, good, bad. He puts his head down, runs back down the court, and just gets back to work, and I really i am very impressed by that. And I got to say, when you, when you think about attitudes and when you think about the way a person responds or plays in a game, Carl Towns, I thought, did a much better job, for the most part, keeping himself in check in this fourth game, and we've seen that. If Carl Towns can stay out of foul trouble, sky's the limit for this team, especially when you're playing a team like the Grizzlies that really doesn't have anyone that's going to stop him. I mean, who's going to stop Carl Towns if, if Carl Towns doesn't stop himself? He came into this game, and he was dialed in. You could see it in his eyes. You could see it in the way he played. So much to like. 
on a more of a negative note, kind of interesting, you know, we had the protest happened again. On the surface, when it first happened, I was pretty outspoken about this. Whether you agree with whether you agree with how the chickens um for anyone that doesn't know the story, Glenn Taylor obviously is the the person that people have been uh targeting when it comes to these protests because of how he or I guess how his business chose to kill I believe it's four point five million chickens. So regardless of how you feel about that, it did it, it is starting to feel like it's getting a little out of control here with these protests. And I'm not gonna I don't I don't wanna give this much time, but I find it interesting is that the three games where they protested, the Wolves won all three of them. To me, it really just seems like it's just a coincidence more than anything else. But it's it's weird. It's I don't know what I don't know what really to say about it other than I you know, well, let me add this. It would have been kind of funny if they had gotten away with what they had actually planned in terms of the skit. The understand my understanding of what was supposed to happen was the girl was going to run on the court. She was going to be dressed as a referee, and then she was going to throw Glenn Taylor out of the game. You know, do like the you're out of here kind of thing. But the way they did it, I mean, it was dangerous. First of all, they basically jump over and kind of shove Becky Taylor. I don't know what you're thinking doing that. That whole th- I mean, they, they bought, spent probably a ton of money to sit right behind Glenn Taylor. This is obviously very much planned. I have seen the video footage from the person, so one of the protesters had a camera, and they were, you know, they were both arrested immediately for good reason. I just, I don't know what they were thinking with that. And like Jim Peterson had a good point. He said, "This is not helping your cause." And he felt like animal rights activists probably would not be in favor of the tactics that are being used currently. I don't know if that's true, uh, especially given these are animal rights activists and. I also think that in many cases from what I've seen, I don't know that a lot of animal rights activists make the best decisions uh, for, for what, they, what they do uh, for their cause. But regardless, I think this is enough. Can we just stop this? That's kind of how I feel. Anthony Edwards said after the game, if you're going to do it, come on, man, do it in Memphis. Why you got to do it in Minnesota? And he, did, he was saying that in jest. Ultimately, I don't think anyone wants this, this to keep happening. It's really getting out of hand. And I want to give a shout-out to the security guard who ended up tackling this protester. He was so on top of it. He's in the row with both of these protesters. He is watching them like a hawk. He clearly knew something was up, or maybe someone else informed him. I don't know, but the second she moved, he just lapped up and tackled her. It was super impressive. They got it dealt with very quickly. And thankfully, nobody was hurt just in terms of this woman running onto the court in the middle of the action, a referee, a player, somebody could have gotten hurt if, if it's in the middle of a fast break, if something shifts. I, I think back to the times this year where the Wolves have had issues with the the kids that are kind of uh, out there to sweep or clean the floor up, and we've, we've seen that a couple times where they've gotten in the way. And just think about a fast, if a fast break had started and this woman gets hit, run over, a player gets hurt. Thankfully, none of that happened. But ultimately, I hope that's the last we see of it. Yes, granted, the Wolves have won the games. They've done that. To me, I'm not a big coincidence guy, but that's exactly what this is. Although, I said it before, I wouldn't mind if they were going to protest. How about protesting game number three? Slow that game down a little bit. Let's get ourselves a timeout in that 21-0 run. But 
I digress. You get the win. You're very pleased. Now, looking ahead to game number five, a lot of it's going to depend on what Memphis does. But I think the Wolves have a pretty good strategy, it seems like. We've started to become a little more versatile. I think with our game plans when it comes to this series, and Chris Finch seems to have a few different game plans depending on how the Grizzlies choose to approach the game. So to me, you got to keep that flexibility. Ultimately, I do hope that they just, for once, stop playing Nasri, but I don't see it happening anytime soon, unfortunately. I, for one, would embrace Torian Prince and embrace Jaden McDaniels, go that small ball route and see how that works because we've seen time and time again Nasri comes in the game and all of a sudden things just go downhill for us. And you see the confidence build in the Grizzlies and it's continuing to happen you know, game in, game out because guess what? Nasri doesn't know how to rebound the basketball. He's not a super great defender. He is, at times, he, he could be and he has shown the capability and fairly consistent of being able to score, whether it's as a three-point shooter. He does have a little bit of drive in his game. He does have some pretty smooth footwork in the post. There's stuff to like there. But ultimately, if I'm coach, I'm not playing him anymore. That's how I feel about that. Other things to watch for in this game, what are the Grizzlies going to roll out in terms of the starters? Are they going to go with Tillman again? Are they going to go back to what they started the series with, with Steven Adams? Are they going to go small again and throw Kyle Anderson out there and Jaron Jackson Jr.? What is their strategy? What is their plan? To me, it just doesn't make sense to go with Xavier Tillman starting. I don't know what they're thinking when they go that route, but I would happily embrace them going that route again in game number five. A lot to like there. I am going to make the prediction that the Wolves do end up winning this game five. Whether that's likely or not, I don't know. They're definitely not favored, but I do think they have a shot. And I do think, as of right now, that's going to be my pick. I am going to pick the Wolves to win game five. And I'm actually going to go and say again, if they win game five in Memphis, I definitely think they win game six, and it would be Wolves in six. So that, that kind of breaks down this game here. Of course, the next game coming up on Tuesday night, 6.30 Central Standard Time. Thanks for listening, and until next time, you've been listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Bad Channel. We are the Howl. Until next time, let me get a howl.